Kaylee, I'm sorry I'm late to recording today. You should be. No, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) So as you can see, listeners, sorry, you cannot. I washed my hair before our show today. And I thought, you know, I've got plenty of time. It's going to be great. But as Kaylee has said before, I have a magic head. And when I say magic head, I mean I have this stupid, crazy white girl curly hair. For me to wash my hair is so many stupid steps. So I'm going to run it by you really quickly. Kaylee, if you would, tell me how many steps or how many of these steps you follow as well. Okay. (laughs) Ready? Step one, shampoo. Cool. Step two, clarifying. Clarifying stuff, gel, whatever. Okay. Step three, conditioner. No, conditioner? Good for you, girl. I don't like the feeling of conditioner running down my back. So if I ever use a conditioner, it's just a leave-in. There you go. All right. Well, step four is deep condition. Step five is leave-in. Step six. Okay. Kaylee said maybe to leave-in. Step six is spiraling gel. That's a no. Step seven is combing my hair. Yeah. Kaylee combs my hair. Okay. Step eight. You can comb your hair. That's funny because this is the only time in my life when I comb my hair. Step eight is more gel. Step nine is volumizing foam and then more leave-in conditioner. And so it's a process. And I thought I had enough time. Not to get, because I don't know hair science, but from what I think I've gathered is curly hair is more porous. And so it needs a lot more conditioning. And okay, so my hair, you guys, is the opposite of that. And if I put in my maybe leave-in it has to be the lightest as a feather practically water or else my hair will go flat oh gosh it's a struggle to get volume and texture into my hair like it'll hold a curl if i curl it but like she won't do it on her own no matter what product Mm -mm. i use as an assist (laughs) so i'm jealous of your hair but i'm not jealous of your process well so it's worth pointing out that i was kind of sick last week so I haven't washed my hair for at least nine days, but possibly 15 days. And that is not to say she has not bathed. Don't be gross. She just, she doesn't have to wash her hair that often. It's not good for her hair to wash it more often. (laughs) So although I have to go through this entire like 25 minute process just to do my hair, at the end of the day, it lasts a really long time. And I don't have to do it every day because I sleep in a bonnet at night and then I wake up the next morning and I'm like, oh, ready to go. Let's go. Let's go. Can I just throw out there? I know that you're a white girl, but I'm not sure that every white girl has the curly hair that you have. Like, I really <laughs> don't know that everybody goes through that. And I really don't know that your cousin Amanda goes through that on a regular no, basis. No, I don't think she does. It, they're very different curls. Yeah. Well, we have a different curl pattern, but I also think she conditions and washes a lot more than I do. And I put this force on my hair so that I don't have to do that. Like I I condition it really, really heavily once, but only once every nine to 15. And can I say, I have never seen your hair look dirty. If I go, it doesn't get greasy. If I go more than two or three days without washing my hair, I'm a oil slick. Yeah, no. Yeah. It doesn't get greasy. It goes straight from like good to dreads and nothing in between. I bet mine would dread, but in like a, I'm a dirty surfer boy way. (laughs) And not in any kind of a. (laughs) Yeah. 
So this uh, has been your hair care corner. Sorry again. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm late. I apologize. It's all good. I mean, it's worth it for that magic head. Yeah, that's the goal. <laughs> Shall we start this show? Let's do it. Showtime. Your hosts. I am Alexis. I am a real life Gus. And I'm Kaylee. And I'm the real life Sean. We are a best friend all American duo. <laughs> uh, Sean, Not yet. Uh, <laughs> something later. Who really loves the show Psych. And we decided to start a rewatch podcast so that we could spend time together every week. And so that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. So this week we are rewatching. Episode 13, Game, Set, Murder? Murder with like three U's. Murder. And a question mark. Yes. Oh, it is. It's Game, Set, Murder? <laughs> because, spoiler alert, it's not a murder. No, it's not. Well, that's exciting well, because nobody had to die. Oh, that's true. No one did die. Nobody died. I mean, there's a body and then there's... A pretend body, but there's no actual dead body. So we'll get into it. It's good. <laughs> Game set, kind of murder. Flashback, 1985. I saw that this time. <laughs> we have Little Sean number three and Little Gus number two. Battleship. Yes. <laughs> and they are playing, and Sean is just hitting it every time. And Gus is missing every time. You hear me with Sean? And then we cut to Henry, who's walking around the house. You just hear, <laughs> and he runs over and pulls the boys apart because they're in a rumble. <laughs> he talked about how he has a partner and he has to trust his partner. And then that's the same as in a friendship. You have to trust one another. And so he ends up bringing up the fight and saying, well, what is this all about? And Gus said, Sean is cheating. Friends don't accuse each other of cheating. Partners should be able to trust each other. Friends should be able to trust each other. Like, this is all around toxic. And I'm really happy with this lesson this week from Henry. Henry goes over to the battleship board, and lo and behold, Sean didn't even put any of his ships on the board. So he was <laughs> cheating in a big, fat way. Okay, before we move on, I need to ask a question. Mm-hmm. I get that if Sean doesn't have any battleships on his board, then Gus will never hit them. But early on in the episode, early on in the episode, we're at like minute two at this point. Earlier on, Gus said, he's hitting my ship every time. Can I say, I've been accused of cheating at battleship almost every time I play battleship because I have radar in my brain. (laughs) I've never seen the other person's board, but I get direct hits so often. And I demolish my cousin and her boyfriend almost single-handedly. So. Okay. (laughs) Now we've explained it. Uh, Apparently, Kaylee has the same gifts as Sean, which is why she's the real life (laughs) Sean. We have battleship radar, you guys. (laughs) Henry realizes that Sean is cheating and decides that the punishment will be that for the next two months... Sean has to play with one less battleship. That's not fair. (laughs) Henry goes, 
now you know what it feels he's like. He's like, exactly, kid, exactly. <laughs> we cut to current-ish time, present day, if you will. And we're at the SBPD. And it's and Sean and Juliet are talking. Well, it's really just Juliet going, look, I'm sorry you're lonely because Gus is out of town. I can't just hand you a case, Sean. Deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe there's a way for us to be less lonely. Wait, I'm getting maybe something. You... Baby oil. <laughs> Which I had like a visceral reaction to because my back is hurting me so bad right now. <laughs> like, yes. Oh, baby I'm... Baby oil. I'm happy that's where you went with baby oil, because that's not where I went. <laughs> Massages can be sensual, but I want a massage, is what I'm saying. <laughs> that's fair, that's fair. We end up cutting over to Chief Vic, who's talking to this older gentleman in a tracksuit, who we later find out is this missing woman's dad, which is what we're about to find yeah, out. Yeah, he's handing over pictures to Chief Vic, and he's like, well, this is really recent. This one's from about a year ago. She's like, thank you so much. What's his last name, Mr. Yeah, I did not catch that either. So she's like. Oh, um, well, her name is Diana Sirtis. Okay, thank you, Mr. Sirtis. We'll let you know as soon as we have anything. Uh, I thought her name was Deanna. So there's a pop. I think it's Deanna There's a pop culture reference. There's a pop culture reference. Yeah. But her name is Deanna, and then we butcher her name late in the episode for comedic purposes. Chief Vic is just thankful and walks into her office, and Lassie's following her. And Lassiter's like, I want this case. You have a full case. I have the bandwidth. (laughs) No, no, I can do it. I've already done the back research. I've already pulled the previous files. If this interferes with your current caseload one little bit, I'm taking your ass off it well i mean i'm paraphrasing but (laughs) chief is not about him choosing his own stuff (laughs) go chief Vic. sean just kind of bursts into the door and he's got this beautiful purple scarf around his head keeping him blindfolded dazzling strength (laughs) he's having a (laughs) he's having a full-on psychic freak out and he's telling them that losing that sense is making his psychic senses better and Juliet just goes, is that my scarf? We never really get an answer. <laughs> no, no. Sean just starts saying weird things. He goes, service, return service, net, fishnet? I love somebody. And then he puts his hand on Lassie's head. And for anybody out there who doesn't know tennis terms. Because the Guster word, played. Guster played tennis. <laughs> and Alexis played tennis. More Alexis real life guys. I was not a great tennis player, but I know that love means zero. So you don't, like, when you're calling score, you don't use the word zero. You say love. So if you had scored, the score would be, like, love 15, as in zero for me and 15 for you. So. Also, scoring in tennis is all jacked up. Why we don't just use one, two, threes is beyond. Also, you have to be silent as a grave, and I don't like attending sports where I cannot scream for my friends. It was very offensive to me. There's none of that. You can't cheer. You can't clap. I mean, you can clap sometimes, but... It's worse than golf, y'all. Like it's worse than golf. Special occasions. Yeah, it's hard to watch tennis. I will 100% agree to that. But my mother, my mother did it. I don't know how Libby did the it. The entire time, <laughs> I know. Because she's loud. But, um... <laughs> Lassiter just gets angry about the hand. And then Sean deduces that there's a missing tennis player. Bjorn Borg is missing! <laughs> no. 
Who's missing? <laughs> Wait, can I say, what does he say when he puts his hand on Lassie's head? Because I didn't catch it both times. I was like, oh, he goes, I love somebody. No, no. And then he goes, and now I'm getting something and I, I couldn't. Oh, I watched that part three times. I still can't tell you what it said. <sighs> okay. It's not just me. I thought it was something about gravy. Grecian? Grecian, maybe. I, I have know. no idea. But anyway, so he's making a reference to a famous tennis player, Bjorn Borg, who's Swedish, who had a famous rivalry with McEnroe, and they did the 2007 movie starring Shia LaBeouf as McEnroe. Oh. Yeah, but I mean, Bjorn Borg's a babe, as far as a blonde can be a babe, in my opinion. <laughs> so. <laughs> Chief Thick just straight up hires Sean at that point. She's like, we can work as a team, the more the merrier, this is a good idea. But and they they're supposed to work different <laughs> angles because you mean we can work together together but separate says <laughs> Lassiter. So lines are being drawn. Go at it your psychic way. I'm going at it the police way. Don't get in my way. Essentially, <laughs> the missing girl's name is Deanna Sirtis, and her father's name is Leonard. I did write Ooh, those. I did down. not catch that. Not once. Basically, we find out that Deanna missed a flight to Tokyo, and no one has seen her since she was at tennis practice the other morning before she missed the flight, and that was the time she was last seen. And Sean kind of looks at the files and pretends to be sneaky and said, has anyone questioned her stalker? Yes, that's one avenue we are exploring. <laughs> Apparently, her stalker, Felix Alvarez, broke into her house a few months ago, and John goes, okay, let's go. Should we synchronize our watches? You're not wearing a watch. <laughs> You're right. Chief, I'd like to put in a requisite for a new watch. Lassie, can you sign for that? And they're just so, like, absurd about it. But this is our first time slash watch reference. Oh, okay. Yeah. It follows through. It does. Yeah. And it's such a silly reference to follow through, but it 100% does. Also, we get a tan line flashback, so that makes me joyful. Door jam Lassie, thank you. Oh. <laughs> Doesn't he, like, side check Sean, though? He's like, ow. <laughs> Juliet is leaving. Lassiter and Sean follow, and they kind of hit one another in the middle of the door. And Sean steps back and kind of lets Lassie go. Then Sean just cuts right in front of him, and Lassiter turned around and looked at Chief Vic and said, thank you. In, like, the most sarcastic Irish voice you've ever heard in your life. <laughs> and then credits. Gus is at a pharmaceutical retreat. Yeah, so they're at a camp and they're doing trust exercises. And everyone's screaming, Gus, 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 Gus. Gus ends up falling off of this, like, boulder. I don't know, maybe eight yeah. foot rock or something. And his team members catch him in a sheet. Then his phone rings and he walks away. Sean is at the psych office, and that's what I'm talking on the phone. Mm -hmm. And Sean is playing with a toy. Of is course, it... which is not a pineapple. No, it should have been a pineapple. Is it like a some yep. kind of alligator or something? I couldn't really tell. I was somewhere around alien alligator. I'm not 100% right. sure. Right, and Sean's like, oh, are you coming home soon? Don't you get the weekends off? He's like, it's a weekend retreat, <laughs> Sean. This is what it is. He's like, ah, oh, but I've got this client. Do you know this girl, Deanna Sirtis? Gus knows all about it, of course. He's like, local lady in the know. Yeah, mm -hmm. she's a local tennis player. Pretty well known. Rated in the low 100s. And Sean goes, 147. 
and she's missing <laughs> tennis player. So he's kind of filling him in. I used 147 as an abbreviation for Deanna throughout the rest of my notes. Oh, nice. And I hate to call this woman a number because she's more than a number, but yeah, that's what happened. But you're right. Gus is against this. Gus has to stay at the retreat because one of his coworkers is retiring. Rangled? And he wants... That sounds good. Yeah, maybe. He wants his clients, and he wants one specific client. They say this man's... starts with an M. This name... Okay. They say it many times, and they always say it different. And this first time, <laughs> it sounds like he says Dr. McNaughty. Oh, nice. McNulty. I mean, I think McNulty comes up at one point, yeah. And then at the end, I hear McNaughty, but I don't know. Magnati <laughs> or something like that. It, it, the guy's got an accent. Anyway, he says everybody wants this guy because he orders in bulk like costco level bulk like he could meet his quotas in days not months the boss at the retreat comes running up to gus and he is painted green for some reason and he goes why haven't you painted yourself green burton and then he said i guess it doesn't matter now i heard about your grandma i need you to go handle it and then gus randomly finds out from his boss that his grandma had slipped in a tub and broken her hip. He just kind of like looks askance at his own cell phone. <laughs> and then we get our boys back together. They are at the tennis club. And I thought they went to her house first. So yeah, I, I wrote tennis club, but now that I think about it, I think they're at her house. They are at her house <laughs> and there are tons of pictures of 147 everywhere Dad points out that one of the reasons why 147 loved winning was because she got her picture taken, and she loved getting her picture taken. I think I wrote that exact thing. Um, apparently, there's also a camera in the room, but she didn't really have time for hobbies, so she couldn't really pursue photography as a hobby. But then there's also... Whoa, 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 whoa. We gotta stop there for a second. Okay. You do not put a security camera Oh, I didn't in a young lady's room. I didn't room. even get to the security camera. I was just talking about her not allowed to have hobbies because her dad's controlling but also oh, okay. there's okay. a there's a security camera in her room because of the supposed break-in from her stalker a few months ago but yeah like i'm sorry i don't care what kind of security i even set up myself i'm not putting a camera in my sleeping quarters nope no that's some that's nope, some nope, nope. paranormal activity stuff i'm not inviting that into my life <laughs> I was going to call it some bad juju magumbo. Same. Yeah, same vibe. Okay, we're on the same page here. Okay, so Sean pulls some bullcrap and gets Tennis Dad, I'm just going to call him Tennis Dad because I don't know their name, to turn <laughs> off the camera. It's a really shady reason that I would never buy, but it, they get it done and so they get to snoop with impunity. Sean ends up finding a really nice jewelry box with a lot of really nice jewelry in it. Well, a they lot tell of diamonds, us it's a, a lot, lot of great diamonds, but it looks like costume jewelry yeah. to this gal. <laughs> Listen, I don't know better. Uh, I told my husband to buy me a fake rock. He didn't, but I told him. <laughs> Besides all of the very nice slash fake costume jewelry, there's this one crappy ring in there. And we find out from Gus, because Gus is always coming in clutch, that it is a cheap eternity ring and an eternity ring is apparently a ring you give someone who you have known intimately and you are supposed to wear it all the time yeah and if she's not wearing it all the time and it's a cheap ass ring it's probably someone daddy wouldn't have approved of and so we're like she's got a bridge and tunnel lover 
(laughs) (laughs) He's on the DL, but maybe she's not missing? Like, is that even a possibility? Yeah, they think, you know, find whomever gave her this cheap jewelry, find her. Which is a very logical standpoint. Yeah. Which we talk about in the next scene when Lassie runs into Sean and Gus and they talk about this secret boyfriend. They're outside a coffee shop and Sean's like, smells like a lead to me. And Lassie's like, bruh, we're already investigating the people in her life, talking to her friends. If there's something here, we're gonna find it. Just stay out of my way. Stop following me. Are you stalking me now? And okay, so I started a count of Sean's weird nose. I think this is a thing that comes up a lot. And it's really memorable. I know my mother caught it in season two opener when he does it to a person who's known for this. He does these weird nose. He's just like, no, or no, (laughs) no. But anyway, he does weird nose. So this was at least the first one in this episode. I counted two and I forget where the other one is. I guess like I recognize that now that you've said it, but I don't think I would have clocked that as a bit. But if it made it to season two, I mean, that's a bit to me. But Henry pulls up. And Henry is ready to get rid of all of this junk that Sean has left at his house. Sean goes, you only ever call me to come pick up stuff. And I'm like, is this like (laughs) the excuse that Henry uses to talk to his son on a regular basis because they're broken? (laughs) Yep, yep, yep. yep. But Sean clocks a white snake t-shirt. He's like, you can't get rid of this. You can't get this in stores anymore. Gus sees this airwolf windbreaker. That I've been looking everywhere for this for like five years. I never saw you wear it. Of course I didn't wear it. I took it so you wouldn't wear it. So I looked up the Airwolf Windbreaker, and this is absolutely a real Wasn't thing. Airwolf like a show or something? So there was a movie. Oh, okay. Movie. Called Airwolf from, I don't remember when. I really want to say 1982, but I think I'm making that up. The only person who had an Airwolf Windbreaker was Jan Michael Vincent. No, it was a drama series. Oh, okay. In 84. Lassie ends up noticing this nice fishing pole that looks brand new that Henry's about to give to Goodwill. Is this a custom Sackart graphite rod and reel? You can't give this away. Henry points out that it is Sean's fishing pole, and Sean never wanted to go fishing, so it was never used. I've been meaning to get out there, get on the water, get some snapper, but you know it's a whole song and dance to get the boat out. He calls it the blue, he said, to get all of the blue. And I'm just like, what kind of pretentious, what sort of pretentious life is Lassie living when he calls it the blue? He's got like this highfalutin sport fisherman fantasy life or something. (laughs) Kind of like when Gus calls it the bee. But Henry invites Lassiter to go out fishing with him at five o'clock tomorrow morning. But don't worry, because Lassiter will be on the dock at 4.15 a.m. Wow. Wow, boys. They have a date. And this is super weird to Sean. He's weirded out by all of this. When Henry drives away, Sean is so freaked out. He said, I don't know what just happened. And Lassiter goes, I think your dad just made his first play date. Does Gus say that? Or does Lassiter? Mm-hmm. No, Gus said it. Okay. So not Lassiter. Gus said it to Sean. Yes, not Lassiter. Did I say Lassiter? <laughs> yeah. Son of a gun. (laughs) Okay. But in the next scene, they're going to the courts where she was last seen at practice. And they're going to talk to the girl that was practicing there at the same time. Because this was the last place she was seen before she went missing. And I just wrote, little tennis girl. Rawr. 
<laughs> she's like hyper focused, hyper ambitious. She's like in the zone. She's practicing by herself, and they're like, "Doesn't it work better if you got someone returning that for you?" The girl is like, "Okay, I mean, do you play?" And Sean introduces Gus as Ernest Lambert Watkins. Oh, I thought it was Ernest, a junior champ. <laughs> So I'm going to say it was Burnest because I've been watching it with the closed caption. Oh, that's smart. So that I can write down the names appropriately. Burnest? That's hilarious to Burnest. me. Yes. But apparently he was a junior champ of some junior league or something or other. What'd you call you guys? The little fuzzy people? It was the Yellow Hornets. And that was a long time ago. Gus is like, oh, uh, Rocket's over there. And he like runs and grabs a racket and then he's doing like his warm up jumps and stuff and... Man, like, I wish I could jump that high. Okay, 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 okay. This whole scene, before we get into the dialogue that occurs and what we find out, it's 80-yard. Like, they're just pretending to hit nothing, and then we're just getting thwop, thwop, like, sounds interposed. It's hilarious. Yeah. I love it so you much. You rarely see the ball. But they it's, are it's committed. Wonderful. It's so fun mm-hmm. to watch. Recommend. Sean is trying to figure out why 147 is going missing, and... The little girl says that she had a weakness. And do you know what her weakness was? Sean said, kittens? And the little girl said, no, focus. All she thought about was boys. Now, through this, her casually having a conversation with Sean, she barely ever moves. She aced Gus on the first serve. Gus finally hits the ball back. They have a little bit of going and then he hits it out and then Gus gets really upset. And then they have another rally going, and it's a pretty good rally. And the little girl hits Gus straight on with the ball. Again, some more tennis facts here. One, if you hit somebody with the ball, it's your point. Oh. Isn't that an interesting rule? Wait, like not if you get hit, they don't get penalized for hitting someone? Nope. That's awesome. (laughs) Nope. If I hit you with the ball, it is my point. As it should be, because dodge, duck. (laughs) dive dodge um that's point number one and then point number two i'm throwing this out there for uh, my my uncle tom and my tammy they used to yell at us all the time for being in no man's land and no man's land was like the space between the farthest back line and the boxes that are in kind of the front of your half of the court if you sit there while you're playing you're going to get hit by the ball or the ball's going to get hit to your feet so it's very important that you're never in no man's land. You either need to be up at the net or way back in the back. And Gus was in no man's land and he got hit by the ball. And I was just like, <sighs> <laughs> tennis facts with Guster. Apparently the little girl told Sean that 147 had started hanging out with Doug Lamar, Lenmar. Yeah, I didn't catch that name. We'd never meet such a person ever. I guess Doug Lenmar was on his way to Tokyo because he is a very popular men's tennis player. Ah, that's right. And so he's not there anyway to be a suspect because he legit left. Okay, so I felt like this was a really good scene for like not slut shaming, but showing that like she wasn't really in it for the game. And the little girl was right. Like she wasn't tennis Mm -hmm. ambitious. Like she just wasn't focused. Like her focus, her priorities were elsewhere. It didn't feel slut shamey to me, especially because it's coming from a 13 year old (laughs) whose life is tennis. (laughs) I'm going to disagree respectfully with that though. When she said, I give it five years and she'll be knocked up. I'm like, well, that's because she's, that's, that's slut shaming. Like, 
come on. I just think, like, she's not smart. She's not putting things in order. She's going to get herself in trouble, not because she's whoring, but because she's not smart or focused. <laughs> a focused person can have all the sex games <laughs> and be safe about it. That's fair. <laughs> but, okay, no, I get what you're saying. We have our first kind of walk and talk of the episode, and... Sean and Gus are kind of talking about theories that they have. One of them was that the boyfriend might not actually be in Tokyo and she might be there. And the second theory is that she might be hiding to avoid her dad because her dad really only cares about tennis. Like he wears track suits, like that's what he cares about. So maybe she's just trying to get some privacy. We happen upon a nail salon ad and Sean sees a design that was on her finger in a tennis picture of her. So he's like, let's go do some recon. So they're getting many pennies. I have the urge to suddenly get my bunions buffed. Also, that would have been a great opportunity for a pineapple. Just right? putting it out there. Like instead of a palm yeah. tree. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So Gus is not happy that they're taking time out of their important investigation and his being away from camp to get many pennies and... And Sean's like, dude, this is for the case. Like, it's called multitasking. Two birds, one stone. Like, this is, like, he's living his best I've life. never felt more productive. They're there for info, and Gus is like, yeah, we're having not so much luck because our technicians do not speak English. And he's like, none so far. Or Sean says, none so far. But then he sees the front desk girl get up and leave. So then they get up out of their little pods for their pedicures and they shuffle over to the computer and they do some snooping. They do full-on mani-pedi walks, like fingers up, toes off, like walking like a penguin over. I've done the mani-pedi walk before. I feel it. It was just beautiful. Oh, yeah. Apparently 147 was at the salon yesterday and she ordered some nail protein solution. And the billing address was to her father's house, but the delivery address was to a different place. We get this voiceover because they're going to there, obviously. And Sean's like, I've got a great feeling about this. She's going to be there. She's going to be fine. Not so much. But then there's an ambulance and some cop cars. So... <laughs> there is a full-on gurney and she's being carried out with a big old bandage on her head that like can show all the blood. And she's got a neck stabilizer on. St stabilizer? St <laughs> stabilizer. Stable stabilizer. Thank you. She's got a <laughs> neck stabilizer on, and they're like, "Well, we can talk to her when she wakes up to get the information." And then somebody said, "Well, if she wakes up, because apparently the injuries were pretty heavy." They're not saying it right here, but it's blunt force trauma, and so she's in critical condition, but she is alive. This isn't a missing persons case anymore. It's attempted murder. Juliet says that. Gus is over everybody else getting these dramatic lines. He's like, she also gets to say stuff like this? I forget what Sean said before that he made him really jealous. But but throughout the episode, it's a Gus like, tries to say these. We missed one. There was one back earlier about her like secret lover or something. But he kind of tries all the way through the episode, and it's pretty beautiful. So then we get into the apartment, and Sean's kind of watching the forensic stuff going on. He's like, ah, more crappy jewelry. Which I think is hilarious, just subtle drag. <laughs> they kind of get stopped by this crime tech, and he was like, oh, are you Henry's son? 
John said, yeah, I, I am. How do you know him? And apparently this crime tech had taken a class from Henry while he was in the schooling to be a crime tech. Yeah, it's, I forget what the course even was, but Sean was like, oh yeah, what would what, what, you think of him? And the guy just sort of goes silent. He's like, like, I don't know how to say this and not be a dick. And <laughs> Sean's like, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> but, okay. Can I say that this show, every time they do this, like, Spidey senses. Because I did not remember. I did not think I remembered what happened or who'd done it in this episode. And I just instantly went, if we get speaking, like, spoken lines from rando police people or anybody at a crime scene, and it's not, like, McNabb. Sus. It's sus. Lassiter and Juliet are in the apartment already, and they kind of just look at Sean and Gus and tell them to leave. And then Lassie said, no, 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 you stay here and see what a real detective looks like. And... Oh, when are they getting here? Sweet. Just let me know when they arrive. <laughs> <laughs> 147 shared this place with another player and her name was not on the lease because the other player like rented it. And we're getting all this exposition from Juliet because she's so helpful. <laughs> they found it. SBPD found it because they talked to one of 147's close friends and apparently they met often at this Indian restaurant that was across the street from the apartment. And they show us a picture that's supposed to be of you out of a window. Which is which is I hated... just the picture that they use later. I just want to point that out. It really is. It's like a picture from above and like across the street of a restaurant. They literally, like the show pretends we're looking out a window, but we're just looking at a picture. It cracks me up so hard. Lasseter is looking at this like calendar, notebook, planner thingy and calls Juliet over to talk to him. But Gus sees more pictures of 147 because 147 loved getting her picture taken. And he realizes that this kind of, like, wall of pictures of her had all been taken in that apartment. And then Sean notices that there is a trophy behind her in these pictures that is not on the shelf behind he and Gus. So he divines psychically that this is the case. And they're like, could be the weapon used to strike her. Blah, blah, blah. And then Lassie proceeds to take credit for noticing this because you know jules confirmed it so therefore sean neglects to say out loud hey the toilet seat up like a dude has been here hey some wine glasses are missing from her kitchen and yeah those are the two big ones <laughs> so he's like yeah i think i'm done here cut to psych office and we find out that deanna is critical but stable and sean is breaking this down for gus because the SBPD has a fire under them, but it's a fire to find her ex-stalker, Felix Alvarez. Mm -hmm. And so they're running these ads constantly. And Sean's like, it's not even almost this guy. What, he like showed up to show his love to her and bash her over the head? No, 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 no. She had a secret boyfriend. The toilet seat was up. There was no forced entry. And there were no fingerprints anywhere. Yeah. And the wine glasses were missing. Yes. So it points to... Someone covering their tracks well and someone that she knew and would have let in. And so he's like, sounds like a boyfriend. And it sounds like because we know that she was interested in 
boys as a general statement, we could have more than one suspect. So them settling on Felix is just silly goose talk. Gus, on the other hand, is like, no, case closed. I want to go back to my pharmaceutical retreat. (laughs) And Sean's like, no, no, no. We need to keep looking for other suspects. There has to be someone else out there. Okay, but Gus leaves. And then Sean's at SBPD, and he's airing his grievances, essentially, to them. And Chief says, you haven't brought me enough. Like, I can't stop laser focusing on our only true suspect lead because you've brought me nothing substantial. Sean ended up saying, I can project Tommy Lee Jones from The Fugitive if you would like. How do I notice these references and never write them down? You're a genius. He keeps going and he said, I want a hard target search for every outhouse, henhouse, cowthouse, waffle house, house MD, house of long shadows, as Lassie is just taking him out of the office. I watched The Fugitive not that long ago. <laughs> it's very, very fun. And the whole time I was like, wait, where's Harrison Ford? Or wait, no. So there's a there's the one with Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones, and then there's the one with Wesley Snipes and Tommy Lee Jones, and one is The Fugitive and one is U.S. Marshals, and I can never remember which is which. <laughs> I, so... I really have no idea. <laughs> the, my toxic trait is I never know. We got some good pop culture references for sure in there. We got Tommy Lee Jones, The Fugitive, and House MD, as in the television show. And then House of Long Shadows. I meant to look that up and see what that was, and I didn't. I'll do that. The random crime tech guy who had been talking to Sean earlier in the episode gives Lassiter the crime scene photos. And Lassiter takes a moment to point out that it had taken too long for him to get these photos. It's just something to think about. Okay, House of Long Shadows is a 1983 film starring Vincent Price and Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. Like, it is a creepy man movie just, like, across the board. (laughs) (laughs) Henry comes into SBPD, and he ends up giving Lassiter a fishing hat. And Sean's like, hey, isn't that my hat? And they just don't care, and they're excited to go fishing together. But... We do end up back at the pharmaceutical retreat, and (laughs) Gus is doing this weird trust lean thing that I've never seen before. Is it like walking back to, oh no, it's it's the circle one. Yeah, yeah, he just kind of keeps leaning in a circle and everyone has to like catch him as he goes. That's a lot of touching. Yeah, they're just like pushing him around. Yeah. He's like the hands of a clock. Yeah, it's weird to watch stuff now in the year 2022 Mm -hmm. and see so many people so close together touching one another. (laughs) (laughs) Sean ends up coming up and Gus sees him. They go over to talk and the boss is like, is this like a personal thing? And You know we can't have visitors. (laughs) They end up introducing Sean. He said, I'm Jerry Hathaway. I too work at Central Coast. Gus points out that it's in the lab, and this entire time that they're talking to the boss, he's tied to another person. Because again, (laughs) they're doing more trust exercises. (laughs) Sean is doing this really great, like, I'm socially awkward, but super enthusiastic. I've been here all weekend, and this is the first conversation I've had. Also, you should know, I didn't get a name tag. Nobody (laughs) gave me one. (laughs) The woman who boss is tied to said i've never seen you before what do you work on and he was like yeah i worked on the monotheo huxtable drug it's for pancake <laughs> reaction function he means pancreatic 
Thanks, Gus. But no, actually, I do mean pancankeratic. It was a great drug, but it caused headaches, stomach aches, toothaches, weight loss, weight gain, balding, and in very rare cases, it made you pee fire. <laughs> He's like, so much to my chagrin, they shelved the project. John talks about how much he admires Gus and how he really wants to work with him on these trust exercises. They end up having kind of this sidebar conversation and... Sean shares with Gus that 147 is showing signs of improvement, but he's really worried because what if the attacker comes back? Right. Like Gus is like, if she wakes up and gets better, she can ID. Boom. Solved. And Sean is like, you don't think if the person hears that she's doing better, they're not going to try again to silence her? Gus ends up cutting off Sean kind of halfway through that conversation and says in a very dramatic voice, he'll find her finish her off bum bum yeah it's just not landing (laughs) he just keeps trying to be dramatic and get these like one lines and it's not working and sean's just like i'm sorry man it's not it either the general manager comes up and oh my gosh grandma broke another hip it was the other side this time it was her mcl it was um during her line dancing class what is a woman with a broken hip doing at a line dancing class she was attending She was teaching it. (laughs) So Gus gets permission to run back off for his grandma. (laughs) Lassiter had arrested Felix and brought him into that SBPD. And Felix is straight up saying, I'm innocent. I didn't do this. I've been rehabilitated. It wasn't me. His abuelita is following him the whole time. I mean, I'm assuming it's not his mom, but she's like, he's a good boy. You leave him alone. (laughs) It's so sweet. Sean just kind of screams, stop, and then has a kind of psychic freakout moment. And he starts reading Felix's guilt through his hand. And Sean ends up screaming. Did you write this down? No. Okay. So I'm going to try to do it in a terrible accent. He goes, he, he goes, yeah, I, I know what he does, but I can't remember all the words. He goes, Hamana, 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 Ricky, Enrique, Eraldo, Manudo, Richie. <laughs> that was good. I like that. I have no idea what those are. Um, Menudo is both a soup and the band that Ricky Martin was in as a child. Right. And we did say Ricky earlier yeah i'm trying yeah ricky martin was a thing by now but also ricky (laughs) right from i love lucy all of these are possibilities i don't know what any of them were sean said that felix did not attack 147 but the sppd does not agree because they found the murder weapon in his car not a murder weapon (laughs) they found the attempted murder weapon in the car We got to be careful because there's no actual dead person. (laughs) Okay, so this leads to a clandestine meeting with Juliet because she believes Sean. Like, this isn't as open and shut as they want it to be. It might be a frame job, but it would be a really, really good one. The pieces aren't fitting. So she's giving Sean access to files. I have just two questions. One, at any point in this episode, did they actually say clandestine? No, that is literally what I, wait, maybe. Oh crap, now I don't know. So I don't think they did, but I also wrote clandestine in my notes. That's because that's what it was. Also, <laughs> I wrote peerish, but when I read it, I read parish. And I was like, why were they at a parish? 
And then I started thinking, and then I was like, no, they were Peer. near a peer. Peerish. Like, Sean kind of sneaks up behind her and sits in the seat behind her and said, the raven crows only at midnight. Dusk is for the rooster's cackle. Juliet's like, Sean, I don't have a cackle in my repertoire. Because apparently that's the sound that she's supposed to make to say that they're having a secret meeting. Yeah, now you're supposed to cackle. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't a secret meeting. It was just a meeting far away from prying eyes. Mm -hmm. And Sean wants to rent one of those paddle boats. That looks like a swan. (laughs) Always. But she's giving him files and she's giving him photos. And she's like, maybe this will, I don't know, spark your psychic gift. And he does actually like alight on some noticeable traits about the crime scene photos from the original break-in that Felix did commit. And the mess he made. And then photos from the crime scene of the attack of Deanna. Juliet also points out that Felix has gone and gotten help and everyone feels like he's been rehabilitated, but also that he is getting dialysis, which is making him very, very tired. And she does not believe that it's possible for him to attack her if he, if he was really feeling that tired. But she shares that they are so certain that it was Felix Alvarez that they have taken the guard off of 147's hospital room. Meaning she's a sitting duck if they're wrong. Oh my gosh. A woman comes up and Sean and Juliet decide that they must have a walk and talk meeting. So they start walking. Lassiter thinks that the guard on the room is a inefficient use of manpower. And that's when she shares those pictures that Kaylee was talking about. The pictures absolutely suggest that it was different people because of the styles of the two different break-ins. But Sean psychically gets vibes that these are committed by two different people. Juliet completely agrees, but does it on the super sly when Sean said, so we think Felix has been framed. And Juliet's like, silently taps nose. (laughs) Yes, it was a total agreement that no one saw. Okay. Juliet and Sean end up having this kind of really lovely, lovey-dovey moment at this point. And then we cut to Lassie and Henry, and they are at Henry's house grilling fish. Or they have just consumed grilled fish as a lunch together between bros. Sean's walking up like, am I in the twilight zone? This is terrifying. Stop it. Stop it, you guys. (laughs) I don't know where it came from, but I definitely wrote down... The raccoon was stalking me, Dad. Oh, so they're talking about camping? Oh, okay, so Lassiter uses this line, we hooked it, cooked it, and ate it. Because they just ate snapper. Which, I will say, is a fish that you can catch on this coast. It is very large and is the closest thing to chicken that I've had in eight years. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Red snapper is like a weird, hearty fish. (laughs) I do like red snapper. I was going to say, you would like it. (laughs) Yeah. We're having salmon tonight, not red snapper. Sean is like, hey, I need some advice from you, Dad. Like, can you go home inside with me? And there's a picture of Lassiter and Henry holding this big fish on the fridge. Sean just freaks out about it. Henry goes, that's a picture of the fish. I didn't even realize Lassie was in there. But Sean walks away as Henry is getting drinks out of the fridge and goes to hand one to him and Sean's not paying attention so he puts it back but again I mentioned this in like our very first episode the fridge is dark 
there's no light on in the fridge. It's not a working refrigerator. <laughs> you guys, don't show the interior of a refrigerator if you're not going to pay attention to details. The MOs of the two events don't match. One, they trash the house, but in the other, the crime scene was completely spotless. And he's like, I can't get anything from these police reports. I don't know what's going on. But Henry, in all of his wisdom, points out that police reports are not gospel and that he needs to use what he figured out himself. Because he says they're from someone's perspective. So there's an implicit bias, which is not a phrase that Henry uses, but there's an implicit bias to a police report, which I think is a good point to be made. But he puts Sean through his old school psychic test and tells him to close his eyes and like re-examine that way. And Sean is like, I do not have time for this silly game, but he does it. Good thing he did it too, because... After he did his mental breakdown of the second crime scene, he kind of just opens his eyes, gets up, gathers up, gathers up all his stuff and screams, thank you, dad. I have a crime scene to break into. And then they have a full on Sean and Henry high five. And it's so beautiful. Can I just say like Henry's tricep is looking pretty good. Oh, things yeah, I don't know. raised. Yeah. He did. He did what look super like casual. He's like leaning back in his seat. He was giving him a high five. He had a beer in his other hand. Like, it was a good thing. He's a super buff old guy. <laughs> Sean and Gus do break into the crime scene. The second one, in fact, which is her, like, clandestine apartment. Um, where she was attacked, yes. The very first thing that Sean notices is that the clocks are wrong. He's like, what is up with the clocks in here? Why are they all wrong? He even double checks the time with Gus. It's like a whole thing. Which is where the watch comes up. Sean does not have a watch. <laughs> because this is peak tanning season, Gus. <laughs> Sean wants Gus to be the dead woman so that he can examine the scene as it would have been. And Gus is just like, no. Sean was like, why don't you trust me? First, you don't want to do the minefield. Now you won't be the dead woman. Airwolf. <laughs> Two words. Airwolf windbreaker. Sean starts going... Locks are weird. The lights are weird. We're here at the same time. We were here the other day with the cops and the shadows don't match the pictures. What is going on? Sean can't figure it out. There's like just something off. While he keeps looking around, he notices that there are now only six pictures in the kind of like wall bookcase of 147. He clearly remembers that there were seven pictures. But in the crime scene photos, there are also only six. Correct. So how is he misremembering this? Like, again, why is this weird? <laughs> also, a little bit earlier, I just want to point out that they use the word supine. And Sean tells Gus to assume the supine position. And Gus quizzes him as to what supine means. Um, it apparently means on your back. And so I have now learned another word from Psych. Are we going to, like, do an end-of-season quiz? <laughs> It'll be stanchion, supine, <laughs> <laughs> what what the, the uh, planets are. And super hardcore um, Civil War reenactors soak their brass in urine. Yeah, this sounds good. This sounds good. <laughs> They're talking and they're kind of getting through and then the landlord, I'm thinking it's the landlord, just kind of comes I in the room. I wrote landlord question mark. Yeah. 
Gus acts like he's dead and it's very funny. The guy's like, uh, what's going on here? And Sean is instantly going, oh man. And the guy goes, is that guy dead? But like super unbothered. He's just sort of like, is that guy uh, dead? And Sean goes, well, now you've already seen too much. You're, you're in it now. You, you have to help me clean up. And the guy's like, uh, I, I guess. <laughs> like one of the first things that Sean asks him is, is there an incinerator in this building? And the guy immediately says yes. And I have to pause here. <laughs> what sort of apartment building has an incinerator in this day and age? I think in New York City they still do. I think they're like for trash and stuff. Yeah, so that's what an incinerator would be for. In the good old days, you would dump your trash down like a chute, and then it would end up in an incinerator room, and it would all be burned, and that's, like, a way to control the trash. But, like, fires are real, guys. I don't believe that there would be an incinerator just chilling in the Santa Barbara uh, apartment building. Kaylee's doing research right now. 72 incinerators are still operating today in the U.S. Most of them, 58 or 80%, are cited in environmental justice communities, which we define as areas where more than 25% of residents are low income. So they still exist. I don't think they're putting them in buildings anymore. Well, did you just Um, say there were only 72 in the U.S.? Yes, I think. So plausible but improbable. This doesn't look like an old building, but who knows if maybe it's just gotten a really good facelift. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sorry. I had to get on my high tell about that because I was like I don't think those are things the building has an incinerator and Sean is going to need his help cutting up the body putting it in little Ziploc bags he's going to have to melt down the torso and at this point Gus just nopes out he's like too far and the guy (laughs) as soon as Gus moves the guy panics and runs away and now they don't have very much time so Gus is like we're getting out of here yeah (laughs) Gus stands up and goes chop up his body now you see why I don't trust you And he wants to just get out, but Sean sees something. Sean is looking at this restaurant that is across the street. Which is a picture of a restaurant. Right. And he notices that in the picture, the crime scene picture that they have, there are like these little lights in the bushes. But there aren't little lights in the bushes now. And we established earlier in the scene that they are at the apartment at about the same time they were at the apartment last time cut to them running out of the apartment so that the cops that are probably getting called by that landlord scaredy cat don't find them trespassing so they go over to the restaurant and they are asking a worker there a very very pretty little girl who makes great facial expressions and she's a woman not a little girl yes lovely i love the pan in on her she gets some close-ups it's great yeah she's good face work yes sean's asking questions of her because we don't get a name. And he's like, what time do those lights turn on? And she says five. And he says, they never come on early for any reason whatsoever. And she's like, uh, they're on a timer. But he's got one more question. Are you ready for this? It's very, very serious. She gets serious with him. And he says, do your samosas come with that red onion chutney? And her face quirks up in this very, are you serious? But I assume yes. I mean, samosas need the red onion chutney. Also, ugh, I would kill for some Indian food right now. So we're 
end up cutting to the Santa Barbara Police Department. And I'm not being sure exactly what's going on, but Sean just kind of busts in. And Lassiter goes, Jiminy Cricket's what? And I got a big old laugh out of that because Jiminy Cricket is a, I wouldn't say a less known Disney character, but still a good pop culture reference. Yeah, very old Disney character. Sean and Gus are, I mean, this is another, I think, pop culture reference for me because they're like, there's an anomaly in the space-time continuum. (laughs) And I think that comes from Gus. And then Sean is just like, oh, the times, check the times. And then he's like, flailing through SBPD. The disruption is near. (laughs) And he keeps like accosting people with his hands. In the middle of his freak out though, we get a Juliet sneeze. Yes, while she's still sitting at the desk before they start following him around the precinct, Mm -hmm. we get a Juliet sneeze and a bless you. And this is an ongoing bit that they try to make a thing and it only sometimes works because it gets cut out a lot. But apparently they did this quite a bit and I love that for them. They're about ready to go, like they've come to terms with there's something going on, and Sean screams, let's go get Dirty Diana's attacker. Follow me. And the first time he said that, it didn't even click. I took my notes, I wrote it down, I missed the Dirty Diana completely. And then the second time around, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to go back and put that in my notes. That's such a good song. So my reference for this, because I don't know how the song goes, it's a Michael Jackson song, and when Princess Diana and Prince Charles went to go see Michael Jackson, he removed it from his set list, and she was like, oh, don't do that, it's one of my favorites. But how it's very present in my mind almost at all times is Janelle Monae has a song called Yoga, and she uses the phrase, um, gonna be dirty Diana in, <laughs> in the song. So it's like always playing in my head. But yes, so we get a great reference that butchers the actual victim's name, right. but is a great reference that had to be made. As they're kind of like running through SBPD, Sean is having a very big psychic freak out. And he ends up pointing at that crime tech that we were talking about earlier photo boy and sean starts to insinuate that it was photo boy who took the picture whose name i don't think i ever got oh no i definitely didn't get it i think it started with the j because at some point we see his initials but i'm not sure oh yeah yeah jt or something on his bag okay. in the picture let's call him justin timberlake i like that oh lord <laughs> so he's like i well what do you mean I've, I've never met her before and gus said well wait a minute didn't you photograph her apartment when Felix originally broke in? Dun dun. That's when you guys met. And she loves to get her picture taken. Yeah, so that worked for a while, but then she found someone who could buy her better jewelry. Sean does the recap and said something along the lines of they started to break up. He ended up killing her kind of crime of passion style, if you will. Although, according to our last episode, rarely about love, more often about revenge or hatred. Well, she broke up with him because he was poor. Yeah. And <laughs> she literally said, you can't give me what I want and this is a priority for me. Boy, bye. And him being a fragile little man baby, he couldn't take it. So it's a really crappy reason to then murder someone just because they're maybe not a good person. That's true. Like, she deserves better than him. (laughs) He grabbed whatever was near, which happened to be that trophy, 
bam, knocked her out. And then he meticulously cleaned the crime scene because he works with crime scenes. He knows what they're looking for. So he could take care of business. But yes. when, you know, the cops eventually descended on the scene and he was taking the official crime scene photos, he realized that there was a picture on her shelf that incriminated him because in the picture of Deanna was his duffel bag. That had his initials on it. That had his initials on it and people at the precinct saw every day. So eventually someone was going to catch this or he was afraid that someone was going to catch this. So that's why he went back at a different time, removed that picture and retook the crime scene photos. And he was very careful to set all the clocks back to make it look like he had taken them at the original time the cops were there. Which is why when Sean and Gus went back the second time, when they, let's break into a crime scene. Yeah, I made that a verb. They noticed that the shadows were off from the time that it was versus the shadows in the picture, which said what time it was. Mm -hmm. But what we find out is that Justin Timberlake can I use his name? Is this a pop copyright? No, I'm probably fine. <laughs> what we found out <laughs> was that JT forgot to turn the clocks back to the regular time. And so... You big, dumb, attempted murderer. <laughs> Sean has this moment of, like, I can feel that you forgot to set the clocks back to the correct time. Go to the, go to the crime scene. You'll see it. And then Sean goes, Gus! And then, like, fake faints. And it's very funny. Remind me, does JT attempt to flee... Before he's caught, or is he just caught? I think he's just caught, because that's when Chief comes in, and Chief's like, take him into custody until we figure this whole thing out. Mm -hmm. They were going to take him into custody just so that they can, you know, see what's going on, but as usual, Sean and Gus are right. Guaranteed arrest. <laughs> Good throwback. Gus, as everyone is walking out, finally gets his dramatic moment. And he goes, the prophecy is fulfilled. And then Sean just kind of rolls with it. But then he's like, what? <laughs> and Gus is like, I just felt like it was finally my turn to say something like that landed. <laughs> <laughs> but then we're back at Henry's. Yes. I think Sean is there and they're talking. And then Lassie. Well, Henry's asleep and Sean wakes him up in the most on loving his porch. way. Yes, on his porch, like he's drunk. But he's not, apparently. But Sean wakes him up in this very loving son way by screaming, FIRE! And Henry loses his mind. And he said that he'd barely slept at all last night because his back's all messed up. Blah, blah, blah. And then that's when blah, they start blah. talking. And JT confessed to the murder after a little bit of police interrogation. And they found a hospital badge in his belongings. They were pretty sure that he was going to break into the hospital and kill Deanna that night. Right, because she was like, if he didn't get caught for what he did with the pictures or the way Sean caught him, he was going to try and tie up the loose end of Deanna remaining alive by finishing her off. Like, dark, yeah. dude. Yeah. Like, but the Run. but it's scary how like accurate it is that like a man gets rejected and it just like goes off the rails and attempts to murder this woman. Like tw not not just once, but he was planning to, to try again. Lassie comes cruising up, I think to return the fishing pole, right? Yeah, he's like walking up with a pole and I was like, mm, he wasn't just borrowing it, was he?" And he's like, "Hey, you know, I can't make it for the fishing trip. I'll touch base with you next week." 
And Sean is like affronted and like follows him down the sidewalk while he's walking away. And he's like, uh, excuse you, you're supposed to take my dad off my hands and like be his <laughs> new hang guy. And Lassie is like, somehow that man has sucked all the fun out of fishing for me. He said he critiqued his grip for three hours. He's like, what's there to critique? You have a pole in the water. <laughs> As Lassiter's walking away, he has that kind of sweet moment. And looks at Sean and said, I'm beginning to understand you a little better, Spencer. And then just walks away. Well, Sean did a little, like, loyal to Henry thing. Because when Lassie was starting to vent, he was like, hey, watch, that's my daddy. Or Pops or something. I think he calls him Pops, yeah. Yeah. And that's when Lassie says, like, he thinks he understands Sean a little bit better now. And then we're back at camp. Yes, we're at the pharmaceutical retreat. (laughs) A trust exercise went really badly. Yeah, Gus is talking to his boss, whose name I don't remember right now. He's like, yeah, so I took this, like, big band of some kind, and I held it up to the person's eye, and I pulled it back, and I said, do you trust me? Do you trust me? And all signs point to that didn't go real well. (laughs) (laughs) This guy, he's gotten to the point where he's like, Gus, you spent almost no time here, even though it would be hurtful to your career. You left to go take care of an ailing relative. And you know what that tells me? You really care about people. Ooh. Gus kind of gets all like, oh, thank you. And then Sean steps in and does the very, very Sean thing. And said something like, ah, "It." Gus would never say it, but I know he wish he, he had a little bit more time to spend with his grandma. Mm-hmm. And that is how Gus ends up getting the whale client. Well, I think... The boss man was already leaning towards this, and he just hadn't gotten to it yet. I mean, he's like, yeah, you're going to get... This is where he sounds like he's saying Dr. McNaughty. Natty? <laughs> I don't know. But he's like, you know what? You're getting this client, and maybe unload some of your less lucrative clients so you can, you know, have that time to focus on the priorities that you need. It's a really sweet moment, and it actually tells me a lot about Central Coast Pharmaceuticals, this fictional place where Gus works, that one, they respect the fact that he went and handled a family emergency instead of putting his job first, and two, that that respect actually is being rewarded in a real tangible way, and it was just really pretty. And then Boss Man invites Gus and Gus's ailing grandmother over for fondue one day. I'm going to melt down a brick of cheese the size of a house cat and gobble it up. (laughs) Gus is real, like, calm about it, but does end up accepting the invitation. Hmm. But not without problems. And so when Bossman walks away, he's like, this is not chill, Sean. Like, (laughs) this is not the prime outcome. And Sean's like, oh, come on. It's going to be great. And Gus is like, uh, you do know that I don't have an 80-year-old grandma... With two broken hips, who <laughs> teaches a line dancing class. And Sean says he knows at least three ladies who could be Gus's grandma, as long as they can be Chinese. And he's like, how does Sean know this many octogenarians? But <laughs> I don't know. Sean and Gus end up having a little walk and talk where Sean has a, a moment of, you do, you do trust me, don't you? Like... Like, we don't have to do these kinds of trust exercises they were running around being crazy doing all weekend. It doesn't really get an answer. Yeah, there's kind of a pause, and Sean said, battleship rematch? You know, that's right. 
Yes. We actually got a perfect way to end that episode. Yes. I'm so used to us just inferring lines that they go on to say happening because it would be a good moment for them to happen that I get so just like overjoyed when they actually get said. (laughs) That was like the perfect bookend for this episode because we started with the boys playing Battleship and we're ending with them playing Battleship or talking about playing Battleship. But it was just kind of a just kind of a beautiful moment and a good you know that's right always makes my day. Oh, yeah. Oh, most definitely. Oh, man. So we had a ton of pop culture references for sure. We yeah. Found a pineapple? Did we find a pineapple? Wait a second. No. I didn't find a pineapple. We didn't. No. Um, oh, and I did no. not look up where it was because I was watching for it the whole time, but I just didn't find it. I did look up where it was or where people say it is, and I <clears throat> feel like that about it. So the, the biggest argument is that there is something that looks like it could be pineapple on one of the customer's plates when they walk into the Indian restaurant. I watched that scene so many times to see if I could tell, and there is absolutely no way. It wasn't like... They were barely at that restaurant. Right. If, it, if there was a piece of pineapple on it, it was like a chopped up piece of pineapple slathered in a stir fry. It wasn't by any means like a slice of pineapple that you can tell or see. And so I'm calling it a no pineapple. I'm convinced that the pineapple landed on the cutting room floor. Like, I feel like there are fewer episodes without a pineapple than you'd think. And that, for the most part, they just get edited out because they just can't make it in. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. that's totally fair. It's not something that pushes the plot line forward by any means, but it mm-hmm. is fun to try to find it. We should say that we are very close to the end of season one. I think there's only 15 episodes in season one. I think there's only 13. We just did 13. I think there's only 15. (laughs) (laughs) I I said that with such confidence. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I I do. It's It's a very short first season. Now, the seasons definitely get longer as we go on. Mm -hmm. And then they get short at the end. (laughs) Yeah. Hashtag life. So, friends... Kaylee and I just had a quick discussion that we cut out of the episode, but we did decide that we're going to take a little break in between season one and season two so that we can prepare for season two. So do not be alarmed if there is a week or two in there that you don't get an episode. It's not that we're not coming back. I promise you we are. We're just preparing for season two to be really awesome. This has been... Oh, no. To we the blueberry. I was going to say, we do, that, we do that after the quotes Ugh, or else we do it I twice. I was totally in for it though. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Well, I have been Kaylee and Grody to the max. Grody with a spoon. Come on, work with me. I don't know what the kids say these days. And I'm Alexis. One more thing. Roosters don't cackle. They cock-a-doodle-doo. And this has been To To the the Blueberry! Blueberry! Psych out.